Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 96 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we have a special guest whose name is... John. <laughs> we have John with us tonight. Yeah, John is a friend of the podcast. He is um, a good friend of mine, and um, we've invited him on to join us tonight. And um, we're going to talk to him kind of about his story and what he does and uh, how being a believer impacts all of that. So, uh, but first, guys, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> been a long week. It's been a it's been an interesting week where just work is killing me. So it's fine. Oh yeah, yeah. Slowly rotting we've me been, from the inside out. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've been, uh, you know, it's funny. Like we have been slow at work for the last couple of weeks because so. Um, John, I don't know if you know, I am on the South Alabama coast. So I'm, I'm down here in like, we're in Hurricane Alley right now. Oh, um, yeah. Every day has been like, oh, there's a new hurricane and it's going to hit you and it's going to hit everyone. And so we had uh, Hurricane, uh, was it I, Irma? Ima? I can't remember. Ida. Ida. That's, yeah, I know it was one of those I ones. <laughs> it came through a couple of weeks ago and now there's this one that like, got to the the edge and now it's just like backing up and moving along the coast and not really going anywhere just dropping torrents of rain everywhere gosh so yeah i think it rained it rained five or six inches here at my house and we're like 400 miles from the storm wow so it's it's been it's been crazy um all the rain but yeah it's a good times john tell Tell me, all right. So, where are you at? Uh, I live in Washington D.C. Oh, yeah. He's in yeah, the belt, uh, man. He's in the belt. It's quite a place. <laughs> oh, I bet <laughs> it, it is. That's for sure. <laughs> I bet it is. Um, oh, yeah. So, all right. What's it like living in Washington D.C.? Uh, man, it's exactly as you'd imagine. Everything has at least some amount of political undertone. Um, it's super expensive. The traffic is terrible, <laughs> but there are so many cool things to do, and a lot of it is free. Um, now, I guess well, COVID changed all of that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, museums and stuff, things in D.C. are are pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I've only been to D.C. once, and that was, it's got to be at least 15 years ago. So, oh, I, I should. I should make a trip. The the only time I have ever been to D.C., and I, Michael, I don't even know if you're old enough to remember these. How old are you, John? 29. Okay, you may not remember them either. I was 10, so I think y'all would have been like two. I'm 39. Um, but uh, they they had this big, huge Promise Keepers rally in Washington, D.C. one year. 
and I went to it. Uh, it was like maybe 93 or 94. Yeah, I was real young then. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is Promise Keepers? Exactly. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't know anything. Promise Keepers was this like men's movement of the 90s. Um, I'm trying to think of like an equivalent. Um, if you've scrolled through Facebook, you've seen Rise Up Kings, surely. Um, it's the new Facebook advertisement for men who are like bettering themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, oh, it's supposedly yeah, yeah. the, the like three-day intensive Christian man. And, and all it shows is these guys wearing masks, like laying in the surf, getting water pounded on them. And uh, it makes you think of Marines or something like that or the SEALs. Yeah. Um, but Promise Keepers was like the Christian version in the 90s where like 50,000 men would go to a stadium and and, I, and they would all sing hymns and stuff. And um, I, I thought it was a great idea. The feminists didn't like it because it was for men only. The... You know, and and they always came out. I remember uh, one lady; she had like painted her whole body, and she had no clothes on. And she, I mean, she had pants on, but she had no shirt on. Okay, and she clearly had no reason walking around with no shirt on. Um, and and I knew that as a ten year old, I was like, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was uh, it was fun times though. But yeah, that's the only time I've ever been to DC was to go to a Promise Keepers rally where we had like a million men or something crazy at the Capitol. Well, I hear there's supposed to be some kind of a rally happening this weekend. So uh, who knows what oh, that's going to be. I don't think it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's going to be probably bad, but you know, oh. let's see. I'm staying away oh, from the city man. this weekend. That's for sure. Nice. That's awesome. Well, we should drink a little bit of beer and uh, talk about it. Talk about if we like it or not. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what are you drinking tonight, man? So tonight I have from the – this is a new brewery to the podcast, podcast, the Fall Line Brewing Company. They're based in Macon, Georgia. I have the Daily Rind Wheat Ale. Um, Ooh. 5% ABV. Um, I don't see any IBUs or anything on here, but it just looks like a standard wheat ale. Um and it's it's a local local ish to here, so that's what nice. I have. Anthony, what yes. are you drinking? So, um, a few weeks ago, we did the um, grape. Was it grapefruit or what? I don't know. It was a Goat Island uh, grapefruit Weiss beer, and I'm in the store and I see this other one that's a Mango Weiss by Goat Island. I'm like, well, uh, I know what I'm trying this week. Um, so it's a duplicate, kind of, but with a little different flavor. It says on the can that the sweet tropical scent of mango permeates this hazy golden ale, a bright, refreshing wheat beer that will keep you coming back for more. If I remember right, I gave the other one, uh, oh no, it's the blood orange, blood orange. That's what it was. Um, I gave it five Luthers. And so I saw this and I was like, I want to try that because I hope it's as good as the other one. It looks like you gave so, it four dog. Maybe four. I couldn't remember. I did like it though. So I mean, yeah. that, I mean, points for that. Yeah. Um, but so that's what I'm drinking. John, what do you have to drink tonight? Man, I tell you what. Whenever I was going to the to the uh, total lines where I went, uh, I thought for sure I was going to grab a sour, but I went completely different, um, and I was feeling something heavy. So I went with uh, a nitro imperial milk stout from Southern Tier Brewing Company. Um, it's their s'mores from I guess their. Um, Blackwater series line. Nice. Uh, yeah, 10% ABV. Oh. Um, 40 IBUs. John. Yeah, it's going to be uh, lit. It's gonna be a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a long day at work, that's for sure. Nice. 
And where's that brewery located, John? Oh, let's see. That is a great question. Uh, Lakewood, New York. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that we've ever done a New York beer. I don't know. I thought you guys had done this brewery before, but uh, maybe I just I recognized the name. Nah. It's possible. You never know. At, at ninety six episodes and it all starts running together. Two two beers together. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually probably more than half, Anthony. <laughs> at this point, yeah. yeah. So, well, so let's, well, let's crack them open and get to drinking. Let's do it. Here we go. In three, two, one, crack. So we typically pour. Man, I love the sound of uh, opening up a nitro. <laughs> yeah. I just like the sa- sound of a can opening. I just like beer. That too. <laughs> I did preemptively get two, but I won't be able to fit two in my glass, so I just have to hold off on this other one for now. I've only got one because I got my little mug out this week, but I got a new Joe's Crab Shack mug, so I'm excited about it. I grabbed two, this... but it's kind of heavy. So <laughs> John must have had a really bad day at work. <laughs> he got a two really long day at work. Ten, <laughs> ten ABV. Um, my thing is, I mean, it's really clear. This is going to be a pretty standard. Yeah, look at this thing, man. It's not well. I mean, it's close, dude. That thing right there. Holy uh, John's looks man. good. John's looks good. Not gonna lie. I don't think I've ever had a nitro beer before i'm gonna have to find one guinness is a nitro is it really see i don't like guinness though i've had guinness once or twice and i just i don't know i don't know what it was like i can do stouts but i just there was something about guinness that i felt like it was more solid going down than it was (laughs) (laughs) uh well, of course, that was also like ten years ago too. So, well, your tastes have probably changed a little bit. <laughs> That's true. I don't know anything else about beer, but I've definitely drank a lot of them at this point. Yep. So, well, let's see how these things taste and uh, get some reviews going on. Bottoms up. Let's do it. Cheers. That's interesting. Who wants to go first? I, I think I can go first because this beer is actually exactly what I was hoping it was going to be, which is the blood orange with mango flavor. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, you know, when I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's the same brewery. It's the same style beer. It will be, um, it will be, and, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it four Luthers because it's it's literally the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's just got great mango flavor in it. And and so if you – I I really like the Blood Orange. Um, I thought it was tasty and it was smooth, and I've bought it several times since then. I'll probably buy these again because the mango flavor is good, but it's got that crisp kind of like afternoon-type beer, like maybe, maybe a grass-cutting or – just kind of like you're hot mm-hmm. and you want to cool down. It's got that like refreshing type uh, flavor and mm-hmm. consistency and texture. It's just, it's light. It's good. 
Um, so yeah, it's a it's a four Luther beer. All the, it, I'm I might go four and a half because the flavor is really good. I actually kind of like this flavor a little bit better than the the blood orange. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna upgrade. I'm gonna go four and a half on this thing because it's pretty it's pretty good. I'm glad I bought this. Um, and Goat Island again kicked it out of the park because I mean you guys just know how to brew beer apparently. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Mango Weiss uh, four and a half Luthers, and I also have to give props to this can. I don't know if yeah I don't know if I showed it to you, but like. It looks like a Miami Vice advertisement yeah. is what it looks like. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, props to that. But, yeah, four and a half Luthers on the Mango Weiss. All right. I'll go. Who's next? I'll go. Um, <laughs> mine's really good. Like, I'm almost done with it. Um, it's, uh, it's like, it's got a fruity kind of thing. It's really light. Um, it's a little bit better than, like, a standard... Just regular wheat ale, and I'm not a huge fan of wheat ales typically. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, like, your wife would like it. My wife would probably love this thing. <laughs> um, but you know, like blue moons and stuff, I'm not typically a big fan of. But this is very, very, very good. Um, I can't quite give it five because it is just kind of a standard. There's, there's nothing like unique about it, or mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. But I'll give this thing four and a half Luthers all day long. Nice. Um, and, it, and it's good i'm glad i've oh excuse me drank too fast um but I, i'm glad i've got two of them and um i'll be cracking open the second one here in a few minutes so uh nice. fall line brewing the daily rind uh wheat ale getting four and a half out of five luthers from me and um that's a that's a good that's a good one nice john how's the nitro man this thing is really good um it's kind of exactly what I wanted and exactly what I expected. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I stick my nose in it and I think that's probably what I'm going to do the most <laughs> because yeah. it smells just like marshmallows. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, that's nice. amazing. Uh, yeah, it goes down silky smooth. I think uh, I think I'm going to give this four all day. Um, okay. I feel like for me, at least a five would have to be something that I'm going to go back and pick up every time I see it. Uh, which I don't know if I've ever found that beer. I think there was maybe one time I was um, I was at a bar one time and I got an IPA that reminded me of cotton candy and I loved that thing. Uh, and that might be the five if I could ever find it again. <laughs> oh wow! My, Michael actually broke the rules last week. I we did. had a, we had an unwritten rule of like never giving an IPA a five Luther. <laughs> uh, and, and, and last week, and last week, um, the episode that'll actually come out tomorrow. It was a uh, peach milkshake IPA, mm. and that thing was delicious. I, I I gave that thing five Luthers, and we have like for all, over two years now we've said IPA is the max we could ever see an IPA getting us four, and several IPAs had gotten four. Um, and then I had that thing, and I was like, well, I guess we have to rewrite the rules now. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, big party day. That's exciting. Yeah. So, That's right. but yeah. So. Well, there's our beer review for the week. And um, now, after this short break, we're going to get into our interview with John and uh, just kind of let him talk and tell us a little bit about himself and how he's gotten into what what he does for a living and um, how he reconciles being a believer with what he does. Um, And it's going to, I think it's going to be a good discussion. So stick around and we'll be right back after this break. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. We have our friend John. John Hayes is his name. And uh, Michael, actually Michael and John have known each other um, for a while. How long have y'all known each other? So uh, we went to high school together. We were, okay. we were friends in high school. Uh, we were in right. each other's weddings. Um, oh, that's fun. Yep. And so... Uh, I wasn't in your wedding. Thanks. I've only known you for like three <laughs> years, dude. Chill. Um, no, but uh, me and John are really good friends. Um, gosh, we... How long... How old am Man. I? <laughs> You're 30, Michael. I'm 31, dog. It's been 31. 2006? Um, 2006, 2006 2007, 06-07 probably, so that's you know, 13, 14, almost 15 years now. Yeah. So we've been we've been friends, and John's been, like I said earlier, a friend of the podcast um, for quite a while now. He's uh, he's one of our early uh, early listeners. Nice. And um, you, you suffered through the voice changers. <laughs> Man, you know those were really some crazy times, but I, I definitely understood what you what you were doing and why you did it. We um, I go back and listen to some of those old episodes before, sometimes, and I can't do it. Like I tried, to, I've I've tried, and I just I I can't. Yeah. So but I yeah. can only last about ten minutes max. Yeah, and and like I I know it's me talking, and I can only listen to myself talk for ten minutes. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, me and John have been friends for you know fifteen years or so, and um, nice. They have remained friends and, and stayed in, in contact with each other. And um, I'm really excited about having John on tonight because I think the discussion will be eye-opening for some of our listeners. And it'll be cool to get uh, his perspective on some things. So. Yeah, sweet. Well, uh, let's dive in. John, tell us uh, who you are, where you came from, uh, you know, how to, how, just tell us about your life and where you are and uh, what it is that you do that's going to make this conversation so interesting? Oh man, that's a that's a big wide <laughs> intro for me. Okay, so um, like Michael was saying, I uh, I kind of grew up in the same area as uh, as him. We went to high school together. I lived there pretty much uh, my entire childhood. Um, let's see. I well, okay. Let's just let's just start there in the childhood time. I got saved when I was 11 years old. It was uh, at a Wednesday night service. I remember it pretty distinctly. Um, you know, I, whenever I was growing up, I was always told, oh, you need to pray this prayer. You need to pray the prayer so that you can be saved and uh, not go to hell. And I'm like, well, why, why do I need to do that? All right, sure. Uh, I, my friends kept pestering me and I'm like, get off my back. I'm fine. I'll pray your prayer. Um, but it was... It was a Wednesday night. I was 11 years old in sixth grade, and I remember it distinctly. Um, God really just came after my heart and was like, man, you're sinning against me, and you can't be in my presence with that sin. And I'm like, you're right, God. I, I acknowledge that, um, and I want to be forgiven. And so, uh, yeah, I've been living, living the Christian life ever since. Um, I, I had no idea where that was going to take me. Uh, you know, if you'd asked me at any point from from little 11-year-old John all the way through college, I would have told you I was going to I was going to study chemistry, I was going to be a chemist, and I was probably going to go work in the pharmaceutical industry and work myself into the ground. Um, but some stuff happened. I I moved to Nashville in 
what, 2013 uh, with my girlfriend at the time. We moved up. We had some roommates. Uh, we knew we were going to get married, so we wanted to go to grad school together. Um, we went to grad school at Vanderbilt in Nashville, and uh, we were there for, I don't know, six months. Then we got married. Um, and then, you know, we, we went through, did the grad student life together, and things just didn't quite go like we expected through grad school. So we decided, uh, both of us left with our master's degrees. Um, and that was really kind of the big turning point that led me to what I do now. Um, I finished up grad school in chemistry, and uh, I finished, and I was like, well, now what do I want to do with my life? <laughs> uh, I started working for the Tennessee Department of Agriculture which was uh, tangentially related at best to what I was doing. Um, but my wife and I, we had a very big weekend hobby going and visiting distilleries because, man, there's a lot of distilleries in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, Ooh, yes. uh, you know, as I Home was... Home Jack Daniels. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, as, we, as we would go to distilleries, I'm like, man, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do this. Um, and so I, I started talking to distillers and seeing how they got into it, seeing what it was like being a distiller. And um, I'm like, man, that's cool. I might, I might try to do that someday. Crazy time happened. Um, I was working and then I happened to be looking on like LinkedIn or something like that. And a distillery that I really respected at the time had a posting for a weekend position working Friday and Saturday night. It was the worst. I had no social life, uh, but you know, I'm like, Hey, this is, this is my shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you so, were Alexander Hamilton. That's right. <laughs> you were not going to throw away your shot. Not going to wear my shot. Um, and so yeah, I started distilling. Uh, I started making Tennessee whiskey um, and I loved it. I absolutely adored it. And I'm like, you know, next chance I get, if I move somewhere or if something happens that where we decide to move our family, um, I'm going to try to go full-time into distilling. Um, so my wife came up to DC and she was doing a, a fellowship studying data science. And she's, you know, she was wrapping that up and she's like, I'm going to find way better jobs here in, in DC than I ever will in anywhere in Tennessee. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let's uh, let's move to D.C. So I cold called every distillery in town multiple times. I think uh, I think I applied for my current company three different times for everything from tour guide to maybe janitor to uh, <laughs> director of marketing. And I promise you, I'm terrible at that job. I know nothing, <laughs> nothing about sales. Um, but, you know, lo and behold, they uh, they finally needed a distiller. And now I'm I'm the distiller at Cotton and Reed Rum Distillery in Washington, D.C. Nice. That's awesome, man. That's great. So, I mean, to be fair, though, like you wanted to get into chemistry. The ultimate form of chemistry is distilling liquor. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, there is, you know, uh, I was in high school and I was. Whenever I was trying to figure out where I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to do chemistry or chemical engineering, and I met with a chemist, and he's like, "Everybody wants to either get into chemistry because they either want to make bombs or make drugs." <laughs> well, at the time, I thought, "Oh, pharmaceuticals, obviously. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make drugs." No, yeah, I didn't. Drugs. I didn't even realize what I needed to be doing was making alcohol. <laughs> yeah. 
just a different form of a drug. It's it's That's true. It's fine. <laughs> hey, I mean, at least you're not, you know, big pharma. That that would be that would be terrible. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no. So so you move to DC. You're you're working at a. Did you have any jobs in between? Like you moved to DC and then you started. Like, do you have anything in between, or was it pretty much like you started right away? No, I started right away. I think uh, I think I lived in DC for all of three days and jumped right into a job. That's amazing. I, knew I had nice. to get started working. That's awesome. Okay, so Do you guys ship. <laughs> totally so, off topic right now for the record. Way off topic, but we're trying. We're we're working on it. It's technically illegal right now. So, Is it uh, really? Yeah. Well, it's illegal to ship through USPS. Okay. And you can ship through like FedEx or UPS, but that's crazy difficult and we're not allowed to. Because, oh, okay. Because of, you know, distribution and all that stuff. Right. Um, but and this is like top secret stuff that I'm <laughs> opening up to the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to get on with some new distributors, maybe out of Florida or something to get into like online platforms. Um, nice. Okay. We, we want to open up our our uh marketing a bit so if you're a distributor and you listen to the beers and bible podcast please go help cotton and reed so we can we can get their their rum down here so that's right that's yeah let's do it <laughs> so so you told you told your story you told you a little bit of your testimony and how you got into distilling or distillery what what's the verb is it distillery? distilling distilling okay distilling okay so so how do you how do you marry the two? How do you balance being a distiller with being a believer? Um, especially given like I know the church you were you grew up in was very like traditional SBC, um, don't touch alcohol kind mm-hmm. of thing. So like you're how how do you push that aside and do what you do um while keeping your your testimony, you know, intact as a, yeah, as a believer of Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely really tough. I guess whenever I first came to terms with how I felt about alcohol, you know, it was in college, I had turned 21. Um, and I was like, I was examining, okay, I'm legally able to drink now. So that part is satisfied. Do I want to drink? Well, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it tells me it's wrong to enjoy it and to try it. So I decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. Strangely enough, like the first things I tried were like dry red wines, uh, whiskey, uh, stouts, basically all of the heaviest stuff you can drink. You jumped head first into the hardest liquor there is. And you're like, yeah, maybe I'll like it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, I mean, coming to that point was a big enough step. And that was kind of a big thing in um, college itself, was kind of a big thing in the personalization of my faith. Um, I kind of grew distant physically and connectedly, I don't know, uh, from the church that I grew up in. Um, I, I definitely felt the social aspect had changed a lot. I moved away to college. Um, but I would come back every weekend. I went I went to a very close college, uh, but I would come back every weekend to go to church. And I felt very socially distanced. Um, trigger word. Uh, <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> uh, from 
the people that I grew up going to church with. So, you know, at that point, it was like, I've got to personalize my faith. I've got to be in charge of my own uh, growing as a believer. Uh, and so I examined the word. I examined where I, I fit with the word in relation to the church. Um, and so I opened up to to alcohol, to drinking, um, and, you know, staying away from drunkenness. Um, and I, I've found that that's, that's been okay. Uh, now, as far as how do I fit being a distiller in that's, that's tough. Um, on multiple fronts, because I now, and also I think in previous, uh, companies, I'm pretty isolated as a believer. Um, at least now in my current company, I'm the only one who has publicly professed to believe in Christ. Um, there may be one or two people who just don't talk about it, but I know the majority of people in my company are pretty staunchly atheist or agnostic. Um, so I definitely try to uphold a godly standard. You know, I, we have fun parties with our company. Um, I have never been drunk at those parties. So that is pretty much the standard. It's, you know, we're throwing a company party and we're going to all have a blast. Um, and I try to keep very restrained. I always try to be in control because I don't want to ruin the testimony that everybody sees of me as the Christian of the company or whatever. Um, I, I will say, you know, there was a time, and this is kind of unrelated to being a believer as a distiller, but definitely more related to my walk as a believer in distilling. Uh, whenever I first started distilling, it became kind of a huge idol in my life. I loved it and enjoyed it so much. And I was like, oh man, I want to do this. And it was my drive and my passion. And it, it ended because God said, this has to stop. You are idolizing this in your life. Mm. And it was the hardest, hardest thing I have ever done. Um, giving up something that I loved, I was passionate about, but I had to obey. Uh, and God's reported that. I mean, he gave me my dream job. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a strange spiritual ride working for my current distillery too. You know, going through COVID, I was furloughed for three weeks. I, I had no job. Um, I was a, a personal grocery shopper for that, for that time. Um, but then I got back on and we made hand sanitizer. All distilleries were doing the hand sanitizer thing. And it was great. It was the biggest boon for our company, but it was the most, uh, what's the word? Tiresome, unfulfilling work I have ever done. Mm. Uh, I work for the government. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there were days I just, I couldn't bear to get up out of bed to go and process 4,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, bottle it in two ounce bottles, and then punch my card, and that was the day. It was really unfulfilling. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, I that was another point in my life where I really got into listening to podcasts again. I think after a time, that's when I came back to you guys, came back to your podcast to listen to it. Nice. Um, but I was listening to a sermon, and uh, it was just super convicting. Um, 
I think the title of the sermon was It's All Right to Not Be All Right. Mm-hmm. And I was in such a deep, dark, hard place that God reached down and said, hey, it's okay. I've still got you. Just trust me. I put you here. And it was unbelievable the amount of relief that I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I trusted in God from that point on. Like, it's hard for me to set my pride aside. You know, I, I have craved after my current position. I'm the head distiller now. So I'm, I'm driving a whole lot of the decision in the process and in the production. Um, you know, that's, that could very easily become another idol in my life. But I have seen where God has shaped me to prepare me for that, lowering me down to the most humble points to say, hey, this is, this is what this job can be. I'm going to make you what I want to make you. Um, and man, it is, it has rocked my faith just this past year and a half. I've been there for now two years. Uh, and, uh, it's basically the COVID time has defined my faith in my work and also my position in the company. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean, aside from that, there's definitely been some cool times where I've even gotten to share the gospel with my coworkers. Um, I had a coworker who was really struggling with depression, and I got to invite him over to my house. We hung out. Um, my wife and I both shared the gospel, shared what God's done in our lives and the joy that it's brought us. Um, and, you know, I, I've reached out to him a couple of times. haven't heard from him in a while, uh, but he went to he went home to move back with his family um, to get back on his feet. But you know, I think it was really great to be able to at least have that impact on his life, mm-hmm. to at least share what God can do and what God has done in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And what a, what a great like opportunity for, for mission that you have as the, as the quote unquote outspoken Christian at your company, you know, um, if everyone is so, if every, if the rest of the workers that you if the rest of the people you work with are agnostic or atheist and, and you're the outspoken Christian, like that's a great opportunity for mission, especially since you've got your hand. Yes. Yes. John's <laughs> opening a second beer. No, but especially since like, I mean, you've, you've literally got your hands on and in alcohol and, and what a great opportunity for you to say like, look, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm like this uppity, teetotaling, uh, suit and tie, you're going to hell if you think about alcohol kind of guy. Um, now, we've talked about that on this podcast probably more times than we need to. That, <laughs> just, just, that, true. that being a follower of Jesus doesn't have to fit in a box because Jesus doesn't fit in a box. Absolutely. You know? So um, I think I think that's – that's an awesome story. It's a great testimony of God's faithfulness um, and God's love and God and how he has provided for for you and your wife and how, you know, he has shown you his goodness, um, it, it, even in times when you were, you know, like you said, you're making hand sanitizer, doing something great for a lot of people. People needed you know, the hand sanitizer thing was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and. And people were, you know, people. That was a a dire need that people had, and, and you were fulfilling a very important need, but you were just empty inside, or or or, or whatever whatever it may yeah. be. 
And God pulled you through that and said, I, I have something much greater for you coming. Just stay faithful and stay true. And um, I see, I follow your, uh, I follow the distillery on Instagram. I see you driving forklifts, moving <laughs> molasses and stuff in and out. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I see that dude. I see, I see you doing that. And I'm like, I'm so proud of that dude. I know him. And so, <laughs> so, but it's, it's awesome. And, and I love, um, I love hearing your heart for, for, um, for what you do and seeing that you have a, a true passion for that, but not just because it's your dream job or whatever, but because I, I know where your heart is as well. So let me, let me ask you a question here. So um, you, you talk about being the, the kind of like the Christian, if you, I mean like yeah. you're stereotyping, you're, you're the Christian. Uh-huh. Um, how, how have you seen your coworkers? interact with like do they change the way they interact with you specifically at versus like if you see a couple of guys off by themselves and and you're not around and because i i've worked in a I, it's not gonna be the same but i worked at a golf course which is basically a bunch of heathens um, <laughs> <laughs> and and there. i mean i was i was the christian there and i noticed like when people got around me they they didn't like they just acted a little bit different. It wasn't that they like changed altogether, but you know they just acted a little bit different. And finally, one day, this guy tells me he's like, "Hey man, I just you know I want to appreciate. I want to tell you that I appreciate you. Um, you know, I know that we act up and and we and we say things, but you've always and he's telling me this. He's like, you've always been kind of this steady, consistent person who's always just." living out their faith and and he tells me this one day and I'm like I'm blown away by this because this guy's telling me this like have you seen the the way that that other employees interact around you while you're at the workplace um I guess I've seen it some I will say that uh there's certainly a lot of religion bashing that happens less around me <laughs> yeah um and I, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it would even happen at all if I'm in the room. If people, mm. if if some of the newer people or the people that do that were aware of my faith, um, yeah. but definitely the people that I work with daily, they're aware of it and they're very respectful, even if they yeah. don't believe it, even if they came from a place that has put them in a cynical position um, right. against religion or whatever. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're respectful of my beliefs, which is cool. I guess that's also, you know, uh, maybe attributed to the wokeness or whatever of, of people in D.C. But, you know, sometimes I guess even being woke makes people bash Christians, which is a little unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's not relieving, but it is comforting to know that they at least have a respect for that. If, if, if they never want to talk about it, if they never want to hear about it, um, they at least know what I believe and they know that it would be wrong to come against yeah. me or at least like, you know, criticize me, not, not for the sake of discussion, but for the yeah. sake of, Oh, you're dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sweet. Uh, yeah. That, okay. That it's, you know, it's, I, I've been in these situations and I've worked in, and, and, uh, one of, one of the other times that stands out in my mind was the time that I went to California. And I mean, I, obviously California's like, this is in 2002 that I go to California. 
and we're I'm going there with the express purpose of sharing Christ with people. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I would go and I would I would just try to make conversation with people and the one thing I that I appreciated even from people who were atheists or agnostics or just indifferent um as a friend of mine would call he calls them apatheists. Um he he wrote a book called Apatheism. His name is Kyle Bashir, he's a great friend of mine and super like super intelligent guy. Um, but he talks about these people who are not necessarily atheist or agnostic, but they're apathetic toward theism. Okay. And so he calls them, he calls them apatheists is kind of the term that he put on them. But, uh, you know, I actually ran into that more or less. Cause I mean, I would start a conversation and these people would just be like, eh, yeah, that's all great for you, but I'm really not interested. So if you're just going to talk about that, I'm going to go on down the road, you know, yeah. but they always did it in like this respectful kind of. Like, they they weren't gonna they weren't just gonna like punch me and walk away. It was just kind of like yeah, you know, yeah. I, okay, you have that belief and that's cool, but I'm not gonna believe that. So yeah. leave me alone. They they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna bash you, but they weren't gonna listen to what you had to say. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So and and I, I mean, knowing that is uh, to me. It, I, it may not be to you, but I'll I'll encourage you. That's encouraging to me because if they're if they're at least respectful, that means they respect you enough to respect the views that you hold. Yeah, and 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 they'll you know w- the thing that I notice is the longer you're around those those types of people, the more that that attitude will begin to influence them, and the more that attitude will, will rub off on them, and they'll say, "There's just something different about that guy. He doesn't get drunk at parties, and he doesn't fly off the handle, or he does You know, there's things that he doesn't do, or he does do." that are different from the way that we do things. Mm-hmm. And and the longer you're there, the longer that will kind of just seep into um, other things. I, I I can't help but think of of the Old Testament, uh, Daniel. Um, you saying that you were the, the head distiller now, and, and I, I was actually just reading part of my, my reading plan this morning. It had me in the book of Daniel, and, and it talks about Daniel basically being put in charge of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's country yeah um because because of basically his faithfulness um you know but he didn't he didn't necessarily do anything crazy he didn't like you know he didn't stand on the street corners and and bang signs and yell at people and all this kind of stuff he just did the thing he did what he believed god had called him to do you know he's like i'm not gonna bow down and worship i'm not gonna do these things i'm not gonna eat the king's food and and whatever it was but that led to the respect that Nebuchadnezzar ended up having for Daniel um you know and he ends up interpreting dreams and all this we can, that's a whole nother story but <laughs> but I, as you're telling that story I was I was relating that to what I what I actually read this morning in in the book of Daniel so uh there you go there's there's a little bit of bible to tie in. man that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> So, 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 so John, let, let's, let's do this, John. Um, you're part of a church there in DC, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So, so what's the general like reaction when they found out that you, when they find out you are a distiller and, um, not, not just a distiller, but the head distiller <laughs> at a, at a business there in DC. So what's the general reaction or, or do they, or is it more like they don't really care is it more kind of like, oh, that's cool, that's that's your job, like, 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 kind of what's going on there? Man, so uh, I will say, whenever we were interviewing churches or whatever, looking for a church here, um, really, kind of the first thing that I have to do is figure out what the church's stance is on alcohol, because I, especially with my career, I can't 
feel comfortable being in a place that condemns that. Um, so I knew, you know, pretty much from day one, day zero, before we even decided to join our church, that our church was at least okay with alcohol. You know, the people that I've just come to know in our church were pretty small, but the people that I'm just coming to know, when I tell them what I do, they're like, whoa, that's so cool. I didn't know there were distilleries. I, what do you even do? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and then, man, uh, there's a crowd from our church that's just like waiting to come take over our bar one day. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I've invited so many friends and I've, I've given people private tours. Some of our good friends, I gave a private tour in the middle of COVID. Like we weren't, we didn't have people allowed in, but their anniversary hit and they were like, Hey, you know, uh, my friend's wife, also my friend, she came to me and was like, Hey, is there any chance that we could get a tour? I think my husband would really like that. And I'm like, absolutely. I would love to do that for you guys to celebrate your anniversary, mm -hmm. to have fun. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a private tour. I'll give you a cool tasting and we'll have fun. And then, uh, you can hang out at our bar. Um, I've done that. One of my friends came in with his father-in-law, uh, and they're both big rum drinkers We're we're only a rum distiller. We, we don't make anything else, uh, but they're big rum drinkers. They came in, uh, they tried all of our stuff. They were huge fans, which made me really happy uh, to know that people who are into rum are actually also into our rum. Um, yeah, I mean, largely our church has been very excited about it. Or the people that we that we hang out with, they've been uh, they welcomed it with open arms. It's mm -hmm. it's a huge thing here in DC. Um, you know, the number one question is, oh, so what do you do? Uh, it's kind of a flex, I guess, but <laughs> it uh, is DC. Yeah. 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 You know, everybody's got to, got to put it out there and say, oh, well, I work for the higher ranking person. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm closer to the president than you are. Neither yeah. You are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, it's, it's funny though. It's like my party trick or whatever to be like, I've got the coolest job in the room. Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, I, that you saying that reminded me. So, you grew up around North Georgia area, and now you live in Washington D.C. That is clearly like two completely different cultures. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, even North Georgia to Nashville is probably two completely different cultures. But yeah. North Georgia to Tennessee, what like what are some things that you've noticed just in in general, like? on views of fun, like things that you remember growing up, like I can't do that because I'll, I'll go to hell if I do that. You know, mm, it's man. The, the things the the fundamental things that you were not, not necessarily fundamentalism, like we would think about IFB churches or something like that, but just things that you, that you thought were wrong your whole life. And then all of a sudden you realize you read your Bible and you study and you say, this is not necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand where people struggle with it, but it's not necessarily wrong. And I think the church has gotten something. What are, what cultural differences do you see just in, I mean, in the church? I mean, I'm talking just the church. That's a tough question. Um, I'd definitely say, well, kind of regardless between North Georgia or when I moved to Tennessee or D.C., um, the view on drinking was completely different. Uh, like, I, I would never have expected to hear or see a pastor from where I grew up uh, drinking or having a beer with people. 
and my church in Tennessee, our our head pastor there, there were pictures of him at weddings, drinking a beer, hanging out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's so much more of a, a laid back, not strict legalism type culture. Um, I guess in, in a way we we more embrace the liberties that we have uh, yeah. within reason. Um, do you do you think that that helps the church engage better with the culture around you, or have, do, do you think it hinders the church? I think it helps the church because it helps the people. Uh, yeah. Like I know I'm able to engage with the people around me a whole lot more because I can go hang out, have a beer. I can invite them to our, to our bar. I can show them around that kind of stuff. Um, but if, if it were just a wall and say, Oh, okay, I'm, I'll go with you, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get a coffee and I'll eat a sandwich yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, it, it just makes things so much more awkward that way. Uh, it makes it easier to, to have a discussion, to hang out, mm-hmm. to really get loose and open up, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like especially if 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 people know you're a believer and use and you know they invite you know they invite you just kind of you know we've talked about this Anthony before, but they invite you to a happy hour or something like just to be nice kind of thing, and they're like, hey, you want to get a beer after work? And you're like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. I think it takes them aback when they know you're a believer yeah. and you agree, you say, yeah, I'd love to do that because there's this, this stigmatism or not stigmatism. That's a, that's a, that's a, I think that's an, I think that's stereotyping an, stigma. That's the word. Sorry. <laughs> I've had three beers tonight. Chill. <laughs> um, but there's a stigma about like, you know, following Jesus in alcohol. Um, and for some reason, our culture is just associated like if you follow Jesus, you don't drink. Um, especially like where I'm, where I live, where John's yeah. from, where where Anthony was at for a while. Um, and, where and, I'm at now. Well, where he's at now, even. So, so like, I think the thing that opened my eyes to it was my wife went to grad school in Atlanta, and there are people from all the like she was the only SBC raised person there. Like there are people from all different denominations and they were, you know, a, most of them didn't have any issues with alcohol. And that really caused us to reevaluate where we stood because we were like, wait, we've been told our whole lives that alcohol, drinking alcohol is a sin. And yeah. here's all these solid Jesus loving, Jesus following people who, who don't believe that way. And so what, what are what where do they where do they get that information? Yeah. And we read the Bible and we're like, well, they get it from the Bible. So <laughs> so So what do we do with that? So that's and John, I kinda you know, I was thinking when you were talking about your story and going to college and you know how you came from how you came to the conclusion of where you stand on alcohol, I was thinking I had a very similar you know, I, I agree, you know, I didn't drink until I was after I was 21. It was probably long after I was 21. Um, and, and it was, you know, once I came to the, came to grips with that, I was like, okay, the Bible doesn't clearly say it's sinful to drink. The Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. And as long as I don't get to that, if I don't go that far, then I'm not sinning against God. Um, and, and so, 
I really wrestled with that for a long time because of where I was, where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the last couple of years have been really freeing for me personally, just to be able to have the liberty or have the freedom to, to enjoy the things that God has put on this earth for us to enjoy. Like he, he put the, he put the ingredients on the earth to make beer. He's not surprised that we made beer. He's not surprised we make whiskey. He's not surprised we make these things. And so, you know, I I think there's, I don't know. I think we, the church does a disservice by allowing the stigma surrounding alcohol to stay without really addressing it. Like if anyone ever mentions alcohol, they're like, yeah, just don't touch it. You know, you know, if if that's, if that's the stance of the church. Now the church I'm at now, like they've openly mentioned that they do a group, like a, like they do a home church group at a truck and tap or something like that. Like that's a, (laughs) it sounds like a brewery is what it sounds like. So, I mean, so, you know, it, it all depends on the, on the church, the denomination, where you're at. Um, I'm sure in DC it's a it's probably a little more I don't want to say accepting because that makes it sound like we're doing something wrong here, but like it's more it's more normal. Yeah, it's more normal for believers to to consume alcohol and mm-hmm. and it's you know don't hear me say like if you're a believer you have to consume alcohol because I don't believe that. If you have a strong conviction that you're not going, you shouldn't, then don't. Um but but if you but if all you say is oh my pastor says don't so I don't like yeah read if the- you're if you're gonna be against it have a logical like thought out argument for why you don't yeah yeah you know we had Josh on a couple of weeks ago and I, I mean I appreciate that about Josh Josh had a a reason why he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't come in lamb blasting and saying if you drink alcohol you're terrible and i mean to be fair i knew he wasn't going to do that because i knew josh but, right well he sat but i mean it, he sat next to you while you drank your beer yeah and, yeah and so he obviously doesn't have an issue with someone else drinking and he knows that your faith is strong he knows that your faith mm-hmm. is legit he just has chosen because of where he is in his ministry and all that stuff like he has chosen that it's best for him not to do that and yeah. i totally respect I, that yeah, I could actually understand why because I mean he's dealing with underage people on yeah. a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean I think we all agree it's illegal for underage people. So, like t- to me that's that's probably a more valid argument than than the people who are like, oh, it's just not wise or it's just not this. And I'm like, yeah, but you I mean you can't make that argument from the Bible. Like, yeah. I mean, you can make the argument from the Bible that you should obey the laws of the land, and therefore, because I constantly am surrounded by people that that would be illegal for, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put that in front of them. Sure. Like, I, I can understand that argument. Yeah, yeah. It makes logical sense to me. Um, but the people who are just like, oh, Christians should be wise and not drink, and I'm like, yeah, but you can't back that argument up from Scripture. Right. You know, you, you can say be wise, yes, but you can't say be wise and don't drink because that argument is not in Scripture. And so yeah. stop trying to pretend like it is. Yeah. Um, you know. And I will say, like, that was actually something that really uh, was a big sticking point or something for me. Uh, my mother-in-law is in full-time ministry, and the church that she goes to does not believe in drinking. Um, so whenever she was working with that church, she gave up drinking 
And I actually went to her because I, I really, I care about my in-laws and I cared about the ministry that she was doing. And I was like, do you want me to not do this? I don't want somebody to go digging into your family and find some way of calling, calling you a hypocrite because of me, because I not only drink, but produce alcohol for others yeah. to drink. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and I mean, I think she really respected that, but she was very respectful of the fact that I'm, I guess, my own person or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she, it's not that she was against drinking either. Uh, she gave she gave it up. She chose to give it up for the ministry that she was doing in her church. Um, she has since, you know, separated her ministry from that and is, uh, you know, wherever else now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely something that I wanted to address because I I felt a personal conviction that I didn't want that to be a hindrance to yeah. where God was taking her. Yeah. yeah. And what, I mean, what a great testimony that, that number one, you would go to her and ask that, but that she would, she would basically look back at you and say, no, I mean, you be you, we can disagree on this, but we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ. We can still be family. We can, you know, we can be all of these things. And what that speaks to our culture of, you know, if we disagree at one point, culture right now says, if you disagree with me you're dead to me. Yeah. You're, you're anathema, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, I mean, I, I long for more stories like that where there are people who are actually saying, you know, okay, we disagree, but that doesn't mean we have to like fight each other. Yeah. You know, we right. can still be friends. We can still be family. We can still do things, all of that, you know, all of that rolls into one, but yeah. Well, man, and, what and, a great story. Yeah, and the fact that she was like, she was, less concerned about her ministry and more concerned about you doing you being in where you needed to be where you feel like god has called you to do and and where god's placed you um and she she was more concerned about like that's a great example of someone who truly cares about some like she truly cares about her son-in-law to say like yeah my ministry is important but i care about you and I care about what what you what God's called you to do and what your what's on your heart, yeah. um, and so I think that's that's also a great point there. Yeah. Um. Sure. So I guess wrapping up, like I guess the last question we have, and you know, if you have anything else you want to discuss or talk about, we can do that. But um, the last question we've got is: so what's been like the biggest kickback you've gotten? Has it been from, um? Family, people back home, people, you know, people around you, like, like what, what's, what do you think has been like the biggest kickback as far as your, you know, your choice and career as being a distiller? Man. Um, honestly, I think it was my family for a while. You know, uh, the first thing I did whenever, or not the first, first thing I did, but like whenever I told my parents, the first thing my dad did was go back to the pastor of my childhood church and be like, do you know what he's doing now? <laughs> and, knowing, uh, knowing your dad, I could totally see him doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, uh, it's been, it's been a journey with my parents for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have opened up 
to what I do, to what I make, it took a while for them to, um, to draw the distinction between I'm a distiller, I make spirits, I, I, I distill things from their eyes where everything is wine and that's it. <laughs> like they, they're like, Oh, you make wine. No, 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 I don't. I've never made wine in my life. <laughs> no one wants to make wine. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not that it's been like a, a you shouldn't do this. Although I, I do still get the question from like family and extended family of when are you going to get a real job? So, uh, you know, that's that's something I think I'm gonna have to deal with for a while. But you, yeah. you need a business card. I've got a business real card. Yeah. <laughs> just just start handing out your business I mean, cards at family reunions. Like, see, if I'm you have official. Business card, <laughs> if you have business cards, it's a real job. I don't yeah. care what you do. <laughs> yeah. I that was gonna be that was gonna be tough to overcome, especially since, you know, uh, I was talking to my coworker about it. Um they all expected me to do the chemistry thing, to do the pharmaceuticals thing and all of that, uh, to make you know, bukus of money and whatever. Uh, and here I am not making a whole lot of money <laughs> doing something that honestly to me doesn't feel like a real job most days. It's like, oh, I, I go in, I sweat and I toil and I labor and I, I, I taste booze between the hours of seven o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the evening you know <laughs> that's that is part of my my career it doesn't feel like a real job at all <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm jealous of your job right now for the I, record <laughs> i've always i've always heard like get yourself a job that doesn't feel like a job like mm -hmm. like and, and it sounds like john you have a job where you, you go to work and you provide for you and your wife and and that's you know it takes care of your needs but it also sounds like you enjoy your job and you look forward to not making 4,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, but, um, <laughs> but you look forward to going and, and doing what you do. And, um, it just sounds like it's, you know, God's called you to that job for this season and who knows what it's going to lead to, but it sounds like you're, you've answered God's call and said, here I am. And, for sure and, and and use me use me however you want to use me so yeah and i mean i know god could take it away from me in the blink of an eye and it would be hard you know just like it was last time that he said stop but um god's been faithful he's been amazing uh just that's one thing that i'm i've learned through this time i'm learning continually just to never stop being amazed by the glory and grace of god it's, yeah it's fantastic Amen to that. Yep. <laughs> Man, well, do you have anything else you want to add? Any questions you have for us? <laughs> Any oh, questions man. that we can discuss on the podcast? <laughs> let's let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say this. I'm a you know Michael and I. I'm, I may be stepping out on a limb here. Michael and I talked about something earlier today, and um, when you when you talked about you know. God taking distilling away from you and then and mm. then you basically getting the job and then having to do something that was that was all like the bane of your existence. You're like, oh my gosh, I have to go make four hundred gallons of hand sanitizer today. This is terrible. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Um, you know, something that we did in the first Peter um study was we talked a lot about a theology of suffering, what it what it means to suffer. Yeah. I um, love that. And and so 
you know, something we're going to do, we have a, we do a couple more interviews, but kind of the next task that we're going to take on is we're going to, we're going to really try to develop that. And Michael and I talked about it a little bit today. We're going to try to build that about what is a theology of suffering. We're going to look at the book of Lamentations. Nice. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a fun kind of topic to grasp with. Um, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, we're not specifically talking about persecution and, uh, you know, when, when the government comes against you as a Christian, what do you do? No, we're, we're talking about what it means to actually like lament. And when something goes wrong, when you're having legitimate trouble with, you know, I don't want to go make 400 gallons of hand sanitizer today. That's, I don't want to do that. How do you, how do you talk about and, and how do you portray that to God? You know, and, and, you know, I, I love what, what you said when, when you said, you know, I, I've, I didn't want to do this, but God was faithful, yeah. and and I trusted Him, and and he, and he just He spoke into your situation, and you know I'm I'm reading a book right now. I don't know if I don't know if y'all can see it, but it's a really good book. It's called uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, um, and I just started it, and it's I mean this this guy who's talking about how do we biblically lament, how do we develop this you know suffering idea as Christians, and so. That it, it's funny how these things work out, but man, I love that this interview is going to come out and and we're going to have this discussion, and it's going to kind of just roll right into our next discussion that we talked about before we even had this interview. That's um, awesome. <laughs> so like I may have spilled too many beans right there, but it's like God has like timing and stuff worked out and knows exactly what needs to happen for the next thing to happen. That's <laughs> ludicrous. I know that's oh, nuts, man. but. <laughs> I, I I just finished a book. Michael will tell you. Uh, so I I like to read. Well, I take it back. No, he I doesn't like, like to, to read, read, but he reads so much. <laughs> but I read a lot. <laughs> he reads and, so many books. I just finished um, John Piper's book on Providence. Yeah. And and man, it was holy smokes. Everybody needs to read that book because the amount of scripture references and just just work in detail that he goes into that book talking about the doctrine of God's providence and how we can we can basically look back over our lives and see how everything worked perfectly mm-hmm. according to the counsel and the will of God, you know, what Ephesians 1 tells us. Yeah. And so, it's, I mean, I'm not going to get into that because I could—Michael can tell you, I could talk theology all night long. He like could. We would be here till 4 in the morning. Yes. But we won't, we won't do that, but— that's a little teaser about where we're going to go with this. And, and, and uh, it's amazing how it just kind of fit into our conversation for tonight. And I thought that was funny. I was sitting here thinking about it. Yeah. That's awesome. I will say, you know, one thing that always got me back to God um, in the middle of, especially making hand sanitizer when it was just hard to go to work every day. Uh, I, I would think about that, that verse in Esther um, where she's being reminded, well, maybe God put you in this really hard time for a, for a time just such as this. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's that's what carried me through. You know, I, I wasn't going before the king. I wasn't going to die, yeah. but it was tough. Uh, and yeah. you know, that's where God had me. Yeah, and that awesome. and that ultimately led to you, you know, into your position now as the head distiller at a at a distillery in D.C. And yeah, um, you, you know, you like you said earlier, your dream job, and I, mm-hmm. I just think that's so cool. Um, and yeah, I, no I, lie. There were there were days I almost quit. Like I was so so fed up, but God encouraged me. Yeah, Great. that's awesome. That's amazing. 
man. Dude, this uh, this has been, I'm not going to lie, this has been the, the best discussion I think we've had so far. It's, it's been a good one. <laughs> I'm kind of sad to see it end. Um, we might have yep. to get John back on at some point in the future if we can make hey, it work. This has We're been fun. It. I've loved this. Come back <laughs> to do it. <laughs> well, so, Michael, if they want to find us on social media, where would they find us on social media? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website, Beers and Bible Podcast.com, and pick you up some B&B merch. What, what? So we, hey, look, we've got some new hats, and we're working on a plan to get these new hats yes. out, and they are dope. They are very dope. So we're uh, we're working on some cool things in the future, and we look forward to hearing from you guys if you have any beer requests, beer suggestions, beer suggestions, that's the word, um, <laughs> any suggestions for us to try on the podcast, or any, any have any questions about anything that we've discussed. Um, John, do you want to share your social media handles or is that like a no i don't want to do that <laughs> I'll, I'll absolutely do it okay um, go for it if you guys want to find me on instagram it, and it's uh it, it's kind of crazy since it is distilling and i guess brewing related uh, i'm at unspecific underscore gravity um and if you want to find my company we're at cotton and read all one word nice i'll make sure you follow john and cotton and read there on Instagram and uh, John, I've I've enjoyed this discussion. I've I've had a good time with this tonight. I love you, man. Uh, I love you, man. This has been unbelievably fun. <laughs> this is this is I've really enjoyed this discussion. So, um, Anthony, close us out, man. Yeah, man. Well, until next week, we want you to keep your beer cold and your Bible open, and we will see you later. Peace out. Cheers.